again, Michael, for sharing with us. Um, my name's Matt Brocker. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, this summer, we've been going through a series we, we're calling Seasons. Uh, we get that from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. It says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. All right, and the, the purpose of the, the Seasons series we're going through is that we all go through different seasons. We all experience different things as we grow up. Uh, we started talking about youth. We went into to young adults going away to college. We talked about uh, getting married last week. Rich talked about the relationships. Um, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, later on in verse 10, it says, I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. All right, so in every season that we go through, we experience travail, unfortunately, and we also experience beauty, all right? And so, so each week we've tried to look at these two aspects of, of the different seasons that we go through. We've tried to take a, take a look at how God wants us to respond to that travail and the beauty that, that he uh, can make out of it. Um, so it's, it's kind of stair steps in responsibility. Rich, or Jeff talked about, you know, when you're, when you're young, you're just kind of you're kind of just rolling with it. It's okay. You got a little bit of responsibility. And then when you go away to college, you got a whole bunch of responsibility, keeping up with things. And then, then you get to married life. And man, you, you've, you've divided your time and your effort and your energy with another person, which, which is awesome. But the responsibility level really peaks. Um, Rich introduced us last week, like I said, to, to the married season. Uh, we're going to continue there this week. Uh, because, you know, we could probably talk about that all summer if we wanted to. Um, but last week we looked at it from a relationship angle, you know, how we deal with one another. Uh, this week uh, we're going to look at it from a slightly different perspective. We're going to look at it as to why we're married in the first place. Why did God create this thing? Why did he put man and woman together? You know, what is, what is the goal? Why did he do it the way he did it? Um, so we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 5, if you guys want to turn with me there. Ephesians chapter 5, and it, it'll be up on the screen if, uh, if you don't have a Bible. If, uh, if you don't, there's, there should be one in front of you, in the pew in front of you. All right, let's read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 31. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man, hath, no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause, here's the reason, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh." Let's go ahead and pray real quick, and then we'll dive right into the, the body of this. Lord, thank you so much for what you've taught me this week and reminded me of my responsibilities. 
uh, thank you for showing me and reminding me uh, of, of the mission that you've set us out on, uh, the mission to reach people for you, for your glory, uh, just like Michael said. I just pray that uh, today you would hear from your word, uh, you'd take me out of the way, and, and that you would be honored and glorified by all that we do and say. We love you. Amen. All right. So it says in verse 22, wives submit as the church submits to Christ, right? Rich started the other way around because we don't ever like talking about the wives submitting thing, you know. If I if I'd written a book and said wives submit, I'd probably not sell very many copies of it, right? We don't like to talk about that because in this day and age, that's, that's kind of just taboo. But that's what Paul tells us is supposed to happen. But he says it's as the church submits unto Christ. So there's a picture going on. Verse 25 says, Husbands love as Christ loved the church. And as he loved the church, he, he gave his life for it. He gave his life for all of us. He sacrificed. Verse 31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. We're going to get into the details of the, the responsibilities we responsibilities we have to one another in a little bit, but this verse here, verse 31, God says something almost identical way back in Genesis, way at the very beginning. He says in Genesis 2.24, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. All right, so it's almost exactly the same thing, and he doesn't just say leave your father and mother Go join your wife, you're going to be one flesh. He says, therefore, there's a reason I'm having you do this. All right? And the reason is, God had a plan. All right? The title we've got is uh, A Mission from God. Um, it's not Blues Brothers, Mission from God, nothing weird like that, right? We're getting a band back together. No, it's, it's A Mission from God, the purpose for marriage. Why did God put it together? And any mission has a directive. Your first blank would be the directive. All right. Anytime you have a mission, there is a directive. There is something that needs to be accomplished to accomplish your mission, to, to satisfy the mission. And we're going to look and see exactly what that is. Genesis 1.28, God says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every other living thing that moveth upon the earth. He says, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He Fill the earth. With what? Genesis 2.18 said, the Lord, Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Right? So we're getting some more pieces to the puzzle here. What is he supposed to fill it with? People, right? Obviously. And he couldn't do it by himself. God said, it's not good that Adam is alone, this isn't going to work. He needs somebody else, he needs Eve, right? And so a help meet is someone who is meet for the mission or well-suited to fulfill the mission. So together, Adam and Eve were set on a mission to reproduce sons of God. Adam was actually called a, sons of, a son of God, uh, referenced in uh, Luke 3.38, um, he, he's called a son of God, not the son of God, to be confused. Uh, Lucifer led the sons of God in worship before the fall, right? And then the fall happened, and God determined, you know, I'm going to do this. We're going to have sons of God. They're going to worship God. That's the plan, all right? So he created Adam and Eve 
for the purpose of reproducing sons of God, fulfilling this earth with worshipers of him. That's the mission. Marriage comes into play because in order for Adam to fulfill this, he needed help, right? Couldn't do it by himself. So back to Ephesians 5, verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. All right? For this cause. It's not the same, but it is the same. It's not the physical mission that Adam and Eve had in the garden. Today, we have a world full of people, do we not? Is it, is it to 7 billion now? I don't know what the, what the exact number is. We've, we've got a world full of people already. The mission today is spiritual. All right, so this is the cause. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That love that he bestowed on us was dying on the cross for our sins. We saw in Genesis that Adam had a physical mission to reproduce sons of God. We also reproduce sons of God, as I believe how it is on your sheet. But our mission is spiritual. Romans 3.23 tells us that all of us have sinned, right? Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has been selfish. We've chosen ourselves over God. And because of that choice, because of our sinful nature, that separates us from him. All right? But if we believe that Jesus Christ came to save us from that, to rescue us from that, as the Bible tells us, says we can be saved from the, those very sins, from that very separation. We can be put back into a, a right relationship with God. We can be called, just like John, 1 John 3 1 says, sons of God. That's the spiritual mission that we're on. This is the reason we have marriage. Marriage isn't for us. We certainly have some benefits, right? It's, it's good for us. But it wasn't created specifically for us. Uh, last week, Rich said, God gave us one another in order to find fulfillment in him. It's, it's always been about him. It's always going to be about him. We love the, the greeting cards. Well, I don't. But we tend to love the greeting cards that say things, or the songs that say things like, you, I'm looking at Doug, you complete me. <laughs> right? I figured you'd appreciate that. Things like, you complete me. It's, it's just not true, right? Because if I completed my wife, she wouldn't need anything else. If, if you're talking about a complete mess, maybe, right? We complete one another. We are a complete train wreck for the glory of God, right? All right, so you complete me. It's just not the truth. We help one another fulfill the mission. Just like Adam and Eve had to do it together, we help one another fulfill the mission better together. All right, so that's enough talk of my complete mess. All right, the, the, purpose, um, the purpose in one another, we'll find, we'll find only disappointment if, if we're only looking for fulfillment in one another, is basically what I wanted to say. All right, we'll come back to this in a few moments. Uh, first, we need to look at the trials, the travails. We said every season has travails, every, every season has trials and struggles. Um, we need to be aware of what those are in order to put on display Christ uh, in, the, in the proper light that he deserves. Uh, so, and hopefully we'll see, but by the end of that, we'll be able to see the beauty that we can portray. Uh, go ahead and jump with me to 
1 Corinthians 7, verse 28. 1 Corinthians 7, 28. All right, and Jeff, two weeks ago, when he talked about unmarried season, and whether it's the first time or an unfortunate second time or, or whatever uh, scenario you're in, he talked about uh, the unmarried season and the, the difficulties that we go through at that time. Um, and that was also from 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7, if you look at the first verse, uh, Paul's answering some questions that the Corinthians had asked him first off about marriage. And verse 28, But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned, and if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoiced not, and they that buy as though they possessed not, and they that use this, this world as, abusing, as not abusing it. For the fashion of this world passeth away. But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belongeth to the Lord, he that, that he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, that he may please his wife. There is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, that she may please her husband. All right? We're going to look at the distraction, right? The, the big travail, the big trial that we have is obligated distraction. I, I, kinda, I like to call that responsibility, right? Our obligated distractions. We have to, spend, have to spend time with our spouse. We chose them because we wanted to, right? I mean, it started off that way. It should still be that way. But you must spend time with your wife. You must spend energy on your wife and your husband, all right? It's an obligation from God. We saw the, the worthy portion that Rich talked about last week. All right, so this responsibility that we have, well, let's get, jump back into verse 29 again. But this I say, brethren, time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, they that weep as though they wept not, they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not, they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. Every season that we've looked at, man, they go fast. <laughs> the season that I'm in right now, married with young kids, everybody's always told me, you know, just wait till you have kids, time's going to fly. And I believed them, and now I'm living a blur. <laughs> it is so fast, it's frightening. All right, I'm, I'm picking out shotguns in my mind so I can be old man Brocker on the, the porch, you know, <laughs> when somebody comes calling for my, nope, it's not going to happen, right? So it's flying by. These seasons are flying. The time is short. It's really short. And he says you're going to have distractions in this world. If you have wives, you know, you should be as you had none. Our marriages are a distraction. If you weep as though you wept not, uh, the things that make us sad, things that make us happy, our possessions. And he talks about this world, too much focus on the cares of this world. All right, and not all of this stuff is bad. Some of it's just life, right? Some of it's just responsibility. Things that we have to do. And the more you care about, the more potential you have for distraction from God's mission. It's just true. 
Paul is saying don't allow it to take your entire focus. Paul goes a little bit further in detail on the first item in this list, our marriages. He says, I would have you, in verse 32, without carefulness, not full of care. If you're full, there's room for nothing else, right? You can't be full of care about all of these things on the list. He's not saying, he's not giving us an unrealistic expectation, you can't be sad, you can't be happy, you should not be with your spouse, right? Just go to the well and help Irv. Just, just go be single. Right? That's not what he's saying. All right, he says, he that is unmarried cares for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world that he may please his wife. The same is true for the wife, right? If you're full of care, you have no room for God. This is why Paul stated what he did to the unmarried folks Earlier in the chapter, if you jump back to verses 8 and 9, a couple weeks ago, Jeff covered this very topic. I just said, if you're unmarried, you have struggles. We all do. Let's take a quick look. Verse 8 and 9, I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. Paul was unmarried at the time. He was single. And he's suggesting they stay that way. But if they cannot contain, verse 9, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. Amen. Unmarried folks, you have struggles. You have struggles of your own, but, but what you don't have is God-given responsibilities to another person to divide your time and your energy that you could be spending on God. It's not a bad thing, but it is a distraction. All right. We talked about having that one person that's meat for you, that, that helps you fulfill the mission better. It may not be the case for everyone. It wasn't for Paul, right? This mission, this spiritual mission that we're on today, it's not the same as it was for Adam. Right? That physical mission required his wife. The spiritual mission, it's just you and Jesus, is all that's required, Right? You put forth the seed, you water the seed, and he provides the increase. That's all that's absolutely needed. I need my wife. <laughs> she helps me in fulfilling my mission. All right, so you have more time, you have more energy to focus on God and the mission. Adam couldn't fulfill his mission without Eve. Our spiritual mission today is not the same case. If you're hearing what Paul's saying, he said you may be better off. You may, be, you may be better at that mission because you have those fewer distractions. Uh, take me for example, if, if I say married life is better, I might hurt someone's feelings that's not married, that wants to be married really, really bad. And I just say, well, this, married life is better. Sorry. Just, you just got to deal with that. I, I have to mean that. I do mean that. I, I believe that. Again, sorry. Because those are the cares of my wife. She wants to know without a shadow of doubt, that I believe married life is way better. If I just go around saying, it's not better, you guys are better off, right? Then I'm not taking care of my wife, I'm not focusing on the cares of my wife, I'm not focusing on the things that are important to her. And we'll get into that in a few minutes as far as how, why that pictures uh, such a beautiful thing. Another example might be the cares of a spouse that really doesn't care about God. I'm sure you've all known somebody that, that was on fire for Christ, 
living every moment, every bit of energy going all out for Jesus, but their husband or their wife maybe wasn't. Maybe you're that person. And after a while, the fight at home gets a little exhausting. And, and that battle is just not worth, I'm just not going to have that battle anymore. I'm just tired. Right? The cares at home are a distraction, possibly negatively, from Christ. So what do we do about these distractions? We saw in the first section God changed our physical mission into a spiritual one. He, here we see that our physical responsibilities of our marriage can easily distract us from fil- fulfilling that spiritual mission. All right, so first we started with physical. He transitioned to spiritual. During the spiritual, we have physical distractions. We have travail in that it's really hard to put the energy in because we have responsibilities that take a lot of that energy. All right. How do we keep this from happening? Let's look back in verse 29 one more time. And we'll see that what matters is how we put Christ on display. The display. Verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none. Okay, this is, this is not a license to be selfish. This is not Paul saying, again, just go hang with the well, go hang out with all the single people. He's not saying throw away your wedding ring. They that have wives be as though they had none. I was, I was listening to the radio a couple weeks ago. I'm one of those impatient guys that skips past all the, the commercials and the talking, and the, I'm bad with the, the TV remote, too. I was listening, and somebody said something about, well, you know, I was, I was talking to my you know, counselor or my uh, shrink or whatever the, the term would be, and they said, for relationship advice, I need to make sure that I put me first in every relationship. Kids and your husband and your friends and even your mom, you got to put you first and then worry about everybody else. Because if you're not happy, how are you going to have any energy to make anybody else happy? And I thought to myself, that was really, really stupid. (laughs) Because I know some things from the Bible, right? I call that, or I consider that like plane crash counseling. Like, I just went to London, and and before every flight, you're sitting there, and you're kind of nervous, and all right, once the the engines prove that they're going to work, aerodynamics is going to take over, and I'm good after that, right? I understand the physics of it. But they got to go up front, and they they show you the seatbelt, and you click here, and this, you know. And they say, in the event that your worst nightmare comes true, and this plane plummets to the ground, this thing's going to drop out of the ceiling. And just in case you want a nice quick dose of oxygen before you die, (laughs) take this thing and shove it over your nose, right? But if the little old lady beside you is struggling, make sure you put yours on first before you help her. That's plane crash counseling. That's good when you're going to die. That's great advice. But that's terrible advice for marriage. It's terrible advice for love and any relationships unless you want to be alone the rest of your life with no meaningful relationships. 
Christ put on display what love is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks all about love, all about charity. What is charity? What is love? It's putting those you love before you. It's putting them first. It's the worthy portion that Rich talked about last week. It's sacrifice. So what we put on display is what's important. Ephesians 5.31 and Genesis 2.24, it says in both of them, the two shall be one flesh, and in verse 24 it says, and they shall be one flesh. He's not talking about a license to do whatever you want and just fulfill your own selfish desires and be single again and only think about yourself. He's saying the two of you, you're supposed to function as one now. You're supposed to both have the same mission. You're supposed to both reach this world for Christ. Together. All right, verse 35. Let's, let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 7. 32 and 7, 34. Again, the unmarried man is, is going to focus on pleasing the Lord. The unmarried woman is going to focus on pleasing the Lord. Verse 35 might not be on your sheet, uh, but I think it's on the screen. You guys have it? And I speak, and this I speak for, my, for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but that for that which is comely, that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. The whole point is attending upon the Lord without distraction. Paul's saying we have to have a single focus. You've got to have a single focus in your marriage, in your walk with Christ. Whether you're married or not, you need a single focus, and obviously that's him. We're to be laser-focused on Christ. We're to have a single focus that's loving Christ and bringing him glory no matter what. Aquila and Priscilla were a married couple, um, great friends of Paul. They, they helped Paul in some of his ministries. Uh, they were co-laborers with him. Acts 18, verses 24 through 26, it says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptisms of John, or the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Aquila and Priscilla are all-stars in Paul's eyes. Multiple times he gives a quick little shout-out to them when he's closing the book of Romans or, or in 1 Corinthians. He says, you know, these guys, these guys are awesome. And what they were doing here together as a couple, they heard this guy who loved the Lord. He just didn't know the Lord was Jesus. He was doing things for God. He loved God. So what they did was minister to him and bring him closer to God and give him a little bit more of the truth together. So together they're leading people to God. They're, they're leading people to Christ to begin with, and, and they're also leading those that love God closer to him. Romans 16.3, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. They put their lives together down for the benefit of the church, for the benefit of Christ's glory. 
and all the churches are to be thankful. That is written for all of eternity about Aquila and Priscilla. That's something that I want my life with my wife to have an impact for eternity. That's incredible. 1 Corinthians 16, 19 says they had a church in their own home. Their lives were all about bringing Christ glory, the glory he deserves because of what he did out of love for us. This is what I want my marriage to be, be like. So where do we begin? How do we get to what Aquila and Priscilla are doing? How do we get to the level to where everything is focused on him? John 14, 15. Seven little words with huge impact. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, duh, right? We, we've heard that before. That's obvious. But how does that apply to marriage? There's, there's all kinds of commandments. You just said I need a single focus. What all are you going to get? You're going to give me all these commandments to, 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 to keep track of, to balance? No. He says, if we love him, we'll obey him. He tells us married couples exactly what to be focused on. We started there in Ephesians 5. Let's go back. Let's look at what he commands us to do, what he gives us to focus on. All right, and on the screen, you ought to see, whenever we get to the, the blanks, you'll see that there's only one line, and it starts with Ephesians 5, 2, blank. All right. On the screen, you'll see that there's two lines of that. I did this on purpose, because husbands have one thing to focus on, and wives have one thing to focus on. And if I give you two, you're going to be tempted to focus on what they're supposed to focus on. All right, so we only give you one. You have yours. She has hers. All right. All right. Let's work through it. <coughs> So men will start, or so wives will start with you, since that's, that's where the Bible starts. In, in uh, Ephesians 5.22, it says, Wives, submit to your husband as the church does to Christ. Your single focus is reverent submission. Right? You're supposed to honor your husband. You're supposed to, to follow him. Yes, he's supposed to lead, but that's not your blank. Right? He's supposed to love, but that's not your blank. If you love Jesus, wives, he says you'll submit to your husband's lead. Yeah, but you don't know my, you don't know my husband. He doesn't love me like Christ. No, 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 no. He's got his blanks. You've got yours. All right, we'll move to him in just a second. All right, so husbands, Ephesians 5, 25. Five is your blank. Husbands is your next one. Love your wives as Christ loves the church. Your single focus is sacrificial love. If you're unmarried and want to be, if you're in high school and you're dating or thinking about dating, these are the qualities that you must possess if you want to attract the right spouse. You don't even need to focus at this time on, on what they're, they're responsible for either. If you're a, a young man, you need to focus on being a young man that can love sacrificially because that's what a submissive woman is looking for, right? And vice versa. Husbands, if you love Jesus, you'll love your wife sacrificially, always putting her first. 
If we do the one thing he's asked us to do, we glorify him. We become like Paul. We become like Aquila and Priscilla. Our marriages put on display Christ and the church. Ephesians 5.32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. All of this stuff, this is, this is the physical marriage, this is the relationship, this is what the guy should do, this is what the lady should do, this is how it should work. The reason I'm telling you this is because of Christ and the church. The entire thing is for picturing his glory to the world. It's to paint a beautiful picture of his love and sacrifice for all of us, this body of people that gather together to worship his holy name. We are to put on display through our marriages his love for his bride and her respect and reverence for him. It doesn't matter if your husband doesn't deserve it. Your single focus is submission. It doesn't matter if your wife doesn't respond to your love and your leading. Your single focus is sacrificial love, man. That's what God said to do. He said if you love him, you'll do what he commanded you to do. And that's what he commanded. Our marriage is put on full display for the world, the beautiful relationship between Christ and his church. God's original plan was physical. It transitioned to spiritual. The obstacles that keep us from fulfilling the spiritual are our physical obligations. God has the incredible ability, if we're paying attention, to use the very same physical distractions and point us right back to the spiritual. That should be your blanks there. He can use the very same physical distractions, the things that keep us from fulfilling what he told us to do. If you're paying attention, he can use those same things to point you right back. For example, husbands, when, when you want some intimate time with your wife and she's less interested than you are, you could mope around and feel sorry for yourself. Or you could look at yourself and say, I wonder how my intimate time with God has been. Because, you know, in case you missed it, that's what God's all about with us. He wants to know us on a personal level. He wants to be close with us. He wants our heart. And maybe... Fellas, maybe, just maybe, our, our heart really just hasn't been in the mood. Maybe that's what it's all about. I'm not saying he made her not feel like it. I'm just saying, look here before you look outside. Right? Look at your relationship with him first. Ladies, your husband isn't listening. It happens. I've had a couple occasions where I've failed to listen well. He's not listening to you, and it's about to, it's about to make you, you're just going to explode, right? Can't take it anymore. I've been talking to you for 10 minutes, and you're staring right through me. What did I just say? Uh, some words and some stuff. Something about the kids and swim lessons. I don't know. Something important, clearly. I didn't know there was a test. If I had known there was a test. Maybe, ladies, God has been trying to tell you something important 
and you've simply been too busy and too distracted to hear it. It doesn't mean God made your husband the goofball that he is, and we all tend to be that sometimes. But you can use the physical. God uses it. He's going to point you right back to him. He's going to draw you closer to him if you use the physical struggles of life, because they're all around us. He'll point you right back. He's an expert at it. That's his job. He's all about his glory because he deserves it. So if either of you say, see, you know, I'm just helping you be more spiritual by making this physically difficult, then you've kind of missed your single focus, right? Kind of, kind of missed the point. All right, let's, let's wrap it up. In, in conclusion, what if our marriages, in our marriages, the first response wasn't self-defense? Mine usually is, I'll admit. I get offended. I get my feelings hurt. But instead, if it was, what is God trying to show me about my relationship with him? Because if I'm selfish enough to get offended, I'm selfish enough to have that messed up too. Instead of coming to the rescue of my damaged pride, what if instead I worked to repair the image of Christ I'm putting on display? I wrote it on your study sheet like this. What would my marriage show the world if I was single-focused on bringing Christ's glory instead of bringing myself justice? That applies to every season. What if the circumstances didn't matter, but his name did? What would the world see? One thing for sure, they would see less of me and more of him. That's what he called me to do. That's what he's called all of us to do. Every season that we go through has travail and it has beauty. Today we've seen the good plan that God has put together. We've seen the trials, the travail and distractions that keep us from the beautiful picture that he wants us to put on display. I've spent nine and a half years in children's ministry here. It was an awesome time. Um, Anytime you would do the review at the beginning. You say, okay, hey guys, what did we talk about last week? What, you know, the, the little guy is raising his hand. Ooh, 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 ooh. I'm only ca- calling on somebody quiet. You know, and he's going to burst if you don't call him. What did we talk about last week? Jesus. <laughs> yes, we did. K- kind of. It was Jonah, but, you know, anybody else that actually paid attention, right? So, as we make it through this season, series, I want you to realize, maybe, maybe this is a, a little bit of a, you know, letting the cat out of the bag too early, but every season, why is this happening to me? Why do I have to suffer through these things? What do I got to deal with this for? Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. It's for his glory. It's for the world to see what you're going through and see who's helping you. It's for you you to put on full display the beautiful picture of his love for you and for me. Every season we go through, we must ask ourselves the same question. How do I glorify my Lord and Savior the most through these circumstances? Because life is all about circumstances. They just keep coming. If you're in the season of marriage, as I am, your goal together should be putting on Jesus on display together. No matter what the world throws at you, no matter how your spouse fails your expectations, 
your driving passion is that when people look at the two of you, they see Jesus. Make no mistake, if you live this way, Satan will give you more travail. Because if you live this way, your life matters. Your marriage matters eternally. And Satan hates that, obviously. But Christ will certainly help. Staying together with a single focus. Let's make our marriages here at First Baptist. Let's make our marriages paint a beautiful picture for the whole world to see. That Jesus Christ is worth any travail. He's worth putting on display for the whole world to see. He's worth putting on display for the world to see his love for his bride. And we get to be the lucky ones to be his bride. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much.